Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello there, modern lovers. And speaking of sexy bodies, wouldn't you love to be healthier, get a good night's sleep, have a better love life, have fewer headaches, colds, and flus? What could possibly be the one thing that could make all that possible? Well, it's a two-letter word, and it's going to surprise you when I tell you that tonight's guest says that the word no could be the secret weapon you need to make your life easier. I'm excited to introduce you tonight to Dr. Don McDonald, who says he is a recovered people pleaser. Dr. Don is a chiropractor. And he spent a lot of his life taking care of people better, perhaps, than he took care of himself. So he is going to talk to us, and his website, I'll tell you right now, is called The Underdog Curse, <clears throat> theunderdogcurse.com. And I'm relating to this. He's the author of the book, The Underdog Curse. You might have guessed that. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Don McDonald. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here to home for me, this people-pleasing thing. I think it's an occupational hazard for people who are healers and helpers to take their work home, so to speak. Now, how did you discover that you were a people-pleaser? Well, I think it was um, over trial and error. Um, And I think most people-pleasers find out that over a period of time, with all your effort of trying to make everybody happy, most of the time we don't do a very good job of it. And then we're not happy either. And so then we have to reflect at our life and go, maybe I should do something different. Like <laughs> I'm trying to predict what everybody needs in their life and I'm just running around worrying about what everybody else is thinking. And it's, it's not fulfilling for me because, you know, long-term you, become, you end up becoming resentful because you're like, deep down inside you're feeling like you're never doing what you truly would love to do but on the outside you want to look all like oh i'm so helpful and please love me and i'm so nice <laughs> right so you are too nice for your own good so yeah, give us an example of of your favorite way of people pleasing um i think um you know this even uh, goes back to even like high school or anything i've i've you know, my, my, my parents, it was funny, my, when I was in elementary school, uh, one of my guidance counselors told my mother, they said the, the best thing about Don is he's never, ever going to get in a fight for, his, for the rest of his life. <laughs> and so, he's if, never going to get in a fight first. <laughs> ever, yeah. Because Why? Of, like, I'm, I'm going to be so agreeable. Like, like, how could you ever argue? Like, I w- would never argue because everything's always going to be an agreement. 
So I'm, I'm always going to be like, what do you want? It's going to be always about the other person, and it's never really going to be about my own opinions because I've always, I, I wanted to always be accepted. Uh, now, Don, what did that cost you to be the one who always wanted to agree, the one who always needed to be accepted? Um, well, kind of the, the biggest peak was, um, as, you, as we said in the introduction, I'm a chiropractor. And so when I first was in practice, I was with my sister, and so I had to practice with my sister. And again, in, in, my, in our family, we really didn't, we definitely people please. So we never kind of really said what we met, meant. And we kind of danced around the topic and kind of walked on eggshells a lot of times. And no one really told what they felt. And uh, I was in practice for my first five years and I wasn't doing that well. And then, I, uh, and then my wife, who I married um, like 15 years ago, She's more of a driver personality, and I'm more of an amiable personality. And I was like, if you could come into my practice, it would just make such a difference. And I knew that the skills that my wife would bring into the practice would help me get to my goals. What I really wanted to do is I wanted to help more people. And uh, so I brought her into the practice, but then there's a personality conflict between her and my sister. And I tried to, I tried to buffer it. <laughs> and so... If I was the in-between, and, and, and when you really want people to be pleased, sometimes you'll even say stuff that never happens. You even make, make up stuff so other people even like each other because I was so trying not to have it to be uncomfortable. And it went on for a couple of years until it got so bad that it, it almost ended my marriage. And I had to come wow. down. I had to get to the end where... One day before Christmas, this was kind of the peak. I was on the phone with my dad, and I had to cancel Christmas. So I had to cancel me and my wife going to Christmas with my family. And, uh, and at that moment, I realized by, you know, you see, I, I had two things going, people-pleasing, plus I also had ambition. And when you have ambition with people-pleasing, a lot of times that's a conundrum. And then that becomes a conflict. And so this became the peak where suddenly I just realized that, you know, I created a lot of trauma for my sister and my family. And I created a lot of trauma for my wife because I always thought, you know, people should just get along. Like, not only I was pleasing people, but I thought other people should just get along as well. And, uh, yeah, I got to the point where I had to to cancel Christmas. And it was pretty... Wow. So for you, the... The people pleasing, everybody should just get along no matter the cost. Yes. No matter what it costs. So by not saying what you really felt and encouraging your wife and your sister to not really say what they felt, that also means not asking for what you need, right? Right. Yeah, or or being afraid to do it on your own, right? You always want to be surrounded by people. You always... Because that's part of the people pleasing, I think, is you want to be accepted by everybody and you want to be around everyone. And sometimes so where you just did that need to... come from? Yeah, where did that come from for you that you felt this need to people please? Um, I, I think it was just probably you know the way you learn to get on in the world when you're a kid. Like, you know, if if you if you pleased people, you'd get feedback, and then you just keep doing it. And I think that was kind of how I learned it. Like. Yeah, you know, I've noticed, yeah, I've also noticed a lot of people who fall into people-pleasing, myself being one of them. I fell into it when I was a kid because my parents 
or overly harsh, and I didn't feel loved or lovable. So I went into a mode of having to be really nice, and at the same time, if anybody pushed me too hard, I'd fight back like crazy, but most of the time I was just really nice and easygoing, and it actually felt better for me to be that way because I never wanted to be like my angry mother. So have you seen those kinds of people pleasers too? Totally. Well, and that's the thing is people pleasing um, turns into resentment because, you know, it's really we can put our needs on the back burner for a short period of time, but when you go through decades of your needs putting on the back burner, you just then then instead of looking like you're the happy person, you actually just sometimes you like you just said you just lose it, and then now you're just kind of. I guess the word would be bitchy. <laughs> like you're just now. Now you're just resentful, and you're just as long of, as you apply that equally way. to men and to women. We, we don't use the. Okay, there you go. We're going to give equal 100%. opportunity here. <laughs> you betcha. I thought we were talking about mothers. So, <laughs> yes, right. Now I, I'm guessing you hail from Canada. Is that right? Yes, I do. <laughs> Good, because. You gave yourself away with you betcha, and about all my Canadian friends talk in this wonderful way. But, you know, the wonderful thing about Canadians that may make you more prone to people-pleasing, you know what they say about Canadians? We apologize a lot. (laughs) No, that you're nice Americans. Oh, yeah, there you go. Well, we're so close. Nice American. It makes it really easy for you to be a people pleaser. So, how did you get yourself out of this mode where you know your family's upset and traumatized? You're canceling Christmas. You know things are falling apart. How did you get out of it? You know, it, I, I I wasn't very insightful at the time because that was probably about eight eight or nine years ago, and I didn't get out of it very quick because. I think when you break, I, I broke the people, like I kind of put a, a boundary and just said, I'm done with that. And uh, it was kind of like with going off a drug, <laughs> you kind of go like through withdrawals. And it wasn't, like I think you can work on it slowly, which I think is probably the best way, or you can try to just go, go cold turkey, which is kind of like the hard way. And, and I got really, you know, it got really stressed out over about a year. And it wasn't until one of my best friends, um, got uh, diagnosed with ALS, um, that that really changed, that really got me to be more introspective. Oh, that's really sad. That's a terrible yes. disease. Yes. I was so like, how did that change you when you your friend um, was diagnosed? Well, because the funny thing is that he was a people pleaser as well. And and the funny thing is, is that when you're a people pleaser, you can really see it in other people. <laughs> you, you have a harder time seeing it in yourself. But for him, he was like, he, he would do stuff for other people, and you could see he was doing it because he wanted to get feedback or he wanted to get, you know, um, uh, attention or get more more friendship or more friends. But a lot of people know, pick out these people, please, and they take advantage of them. And so they know I can always call Rob because he can tile my house or he can do all this other stuff, and he'd be totally willing to do it. And... And then just seeing him go through that process, he passed away two years ago, and uh, to go through that whole process of four years of just slowly losing his ability to walk, and then and we did everything, all of his last things we did together. So 
the last time he skied, the last time he swam, the last time he golfed, the last time he skated, to the last time that he walked, to the last time that he talked. And, uh, and he had his biggest impact when he was um, in a computer blinking to write Facebook posts because they have new, new um, software that can, you know, you can look in this computer and it looks in your eyes and you can actually yeah. type. So, it so what did one. he teach you? What did he teach you by example because he overgave and you're correlating that with illness? A hundred percent. Well, I, I realize that life's too short <laughs> because if you have, like if you're a people pleaser and you don't have ambition, you could probably go on with that a lot longer. Um, but if you have ambition, and, you, and I think a lot of people have inner desires if they haven't paid attention to it, but inner desires that they'd really like to leave an impact on this world. And if you get stuck in the people-pleaser pattern, you're just kind of running around hoping everybody's good, but you're not doing what you're called to do. You're not doing what so you're... is that part of the underdog curse? Is that what you mean by the uh, underdog curse? Yeah, the underdog curse is kind of when, when you portray yourself as an underdog, you're going to get more attention from the people around you. And an underdog really gets a lot of external feedback. And what happens is sometimes you get addicted to that underdog curse or that underdog uh, mentality. And I found this, whether it's in practice or anything, if things are going really good in your life, people don't come up to you and say, oh, I feel so bad for you because you're doing awesome. And if you don't feel comfortable in that, you'll self-sabotage yourself back into that underdog. So it's kind of like getting caught in that underdog cycle and that's the same thing kind of with people pleasers. You kind of, everyone goes, oh, you know, poor Don, he always does all this for everybody else. And then you get attention. Does that make so sense? So part of what you're, yeah, part of what you're saying is that people pleasing is about getting attention, only you're getting in a way that you're hurting yourself. So how do people avoid falling into the underdog curse? What are the steps that you recommend? Um, in the book, I go over nine, but I can just quickly go over five because those are easier to kind of to nail well, down. Well, why don't but, we do three because we have a short short period of time, and people go get the book if you want the rest of them. Okay, okay. let's do three. Because the number one thing is your is is your health. Because typically, if you've been uh, people pleasing a lot, you you put your body into the stress response, and the stress response, you know, your body can be in like a fight or flight state or a, or a rest and repair state, and if you go into that fight or flight state, nothing heals and you kind of start to break down your body. So the number one thing we always talk about, especially as a chiropractor, is you want to get your body healthy. Because if you've been burnt out, stressed out, exhausted from always being in this cycle, you need to get stronger in your body to, in order to be able to help change your mind. So, that's the so first we've thing. got either you're in fight or flight, which is breaking your body down, or you're in rest or repair. That's really nice to remember that, everybody. Make a note. So what's Yeah, and you can't be in both. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's either or. And then the second thing is, is when you're a people pleaser, you're always like around other people because you're always basically looking after them or, or getting attention from them. We need to spend a little bit more time on our own to get clear on what we'd really like. Um, because a lot of people pleasers I talk to, my patients, if, if I was to ask them, what would you truly love to do in your life? A lot of them don't know because they haven't spent enough time on their own, kind of some solitude time, to kind of ask the question of themselves. And uh, if you always distract yourself with other people, you never you never get to actually spend that time to find out what you truly want. And I, I used to hate being by myself. If my wife was out of town, mm. I had to like, 
my friends, I had to have like every single minute booked so that I wouldn't ever have to spend time by, with myself. <laughs> and it's hard to find wow. a way to love if you don't spend time by yourself. Exactly. So what's that third thing we need to know about the underdog curse? I think we just really need to um, really take an uh, initiative of who's in our circle. Like who do we spend the most time with and what type of relationship is that? Once we get kind of clear on what we'd really love to do, we have to realize, like, are we with people who are taking us away from what our ideal dreams and hopes would be, or are they taking us towards what their hopes and dreams are? So it's, I, I call it a power bond. And a power bond is someone who, who would be like a coach or a really good friend who takes enough time to find out what's important to you and then calls you on it. Because you, because you're externally influenced so much, we need kind of people in our environment that will call us out when we're people-pleasing so that we, it helps us to kind of reset our brain so that we don't keep going into that pattern. Mm, so you need that external support of somebody who works against the old people-pleasing pattern so that you can actually get what you want. Now, you say there are four types of bonds that we yes. can have with people. What are those bonds? The, fir- the first type of bond would be a control bond. And a control bond would be anytime you have a relationship with someone and then there's just out- outright control. And this one's pretty obvious, right, if someone's controlling another person. Um, the second type of bond is a sneaky control bond, and this is the one people-pleasers are susceptible to, and it's called a guilt bond. And a guilt bond, somebody is still trying to take control of you, but they're using guilt instead of power. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so they're kind of making you feel guilty, but they're still trying to control what what you're mm-hmm. what you do. And if you're a people pleaser, you're going to be totally sucker to that one for sure. Right, um, because the, the last thing the, a people pleaser wants is to feel they're doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven forbid. Right, um, exactly. The, the third, the third one is a comfort bond, and and the comfort bond is is kind of like I call it like the gram bond, where you just want to hang out and you know, just kind of appreciate the moment, but you don't really grow. So it'd be kind of like the crabs in the bucket mentality where, you know, people just want to, you know, don't, don't try these new things. You're, you're good. Just keep doing what you're doing. So you're basically just trying to make each other feel comfortable in the moment. And it's nice. Right. Temporary, and that works long, against growing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and so the, the ideal goal is to try to find power bonds in your life. Um, and if you if you don't have any, is to try to find some, and that would be what we talked about before, where the other person takes enough time to find out what's important to you, and then and then holds you accountable to that, or can call you out mm-hmm. on it. So, because the kind of the, the the best relationships, especially where, like you talk a lot on your podcast about relationships, the, the best relationship is when someone honors their own values, and they honor the other person's values, and then they learn how to link those together. And, and then you can be two separate people but still sharing a great relationship together rather than one trying to be the other or one controlling the other or one trying to please the other. So how did that change the dynamic in your marriage when you stopped playing out the underdog curse? Um, I became my own person. And uh, it was – my wife was like <laughs> – I'd gone to a few seminars and my wife was like, thank goodness, because in my, in my mind, if we spent every waking moment together – and we did everything together, then that would be the ideal marriage. And and my wife is more of a driver personality, and that drove her crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, 
So you drove the driver crazy with needing to be with her every minute. That's very funny. <laughs> so why why is why is this people pleasing thing so hard on love relationships? Because a lot of people have the idea that if you love someone, you are supposed to be the people pleaser, be all things to that person, and give yourself away. I know I've done it. I, I actually picked people and thought it was my job to fix them and help them if they were depressed, if they were upset about something. Right. I, I think I think that the problem with that is that you never get an authentic view of who that person is. So if you have a relationship who with someone who's pleasing you, and for example, it's a relationship and they just do whatever you want all the time, they never get to see who the authentic you is because you're just trying to be whoever they want you to be. And 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 then it, it it does create stress and it does create resentment down the way because no matter like we just said, if you're in a relationship and one person's people pleasing and maybe one person's controlling, the people pleaser will become resentful. And if the driver or the other person in the relationship is is insightful, they will know that, right? They'll be able to to say, hey, tell me what you really want to do. And so one of the fun little games that me and my wife did was when I for me to be getting more assertive, like when we were even going for dinner, she'd be like, where'd you like to go? And I'd be like, I don't know, you pick, like wherever you want. And she's like, no, you pick. And I'm like, okay, I'll pick. <laughs> so you you almost have to practice. <laughs> and uh, and I think the thing is, is it really makes the relationship a lot more fulfilling when you can really find out who the other person is, I think. and then And then you don't have to, when someone's authentic and they're living through true to their values and they're not trying to be someone that they're not, um, it's it's way that's that's totally parasympathetic. That's that's the healing mode and that's where you can relax. You can be authentic. Um, you know, people can disagree. And we have to learn that we don't have to fix everyone. We can help them if they want to. But if you're, you can't control, the only person you can really control is yourself and how you think. And if you try to take responsibility for other people. It just never really turns out that good. Yeah, so you're saying that the healthiest, strongest relationships are the ones where each person is their authentic self. Now, you define authentic from your perspective, please. I think authentic is you are living the life that you truly would love to live, and you are doing the things that you truly love to do. And you're not, you're not comparing yourself to other people. Um, which is a challenge because that's that's always hard. But I think you're doing stuff, and and whether or not other people accept who you are, you still do what you'd love to do, which that's the hardest part. Was that the hardest part for you to make the change? A hundred percent. Yeah, and and just be okay with someone disagreeing with what you do, and you're, and that's and you, at the end of the day, because I think sometimes people pleasers, you think you're gonna die or something. If someone disagrees with you, like you, you, you blow, you catastrophize it so bad that you, you, you just imagine it's going to be this horrible thing. But if, mm-hmm. you, if you can get to the end of the day and go, you know what? Even if someone totally disagrees with me or doesn't approve of what I'm doing, if I know it's right for me, I'm still going to be, I'm still going to live. I, I will still survive. Right. So, Dr. Don, how did this change the dynamics in your family? Things were falling apart. Your wife, your sister. You had to cancel Christmas. How did things change in the family when you started being authentic and stopped being a people pleaser? 
what what happened was in my mind I had to redefine what my family was and I think when someone when someone gets married again this is just my opinion but um my 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 family was still my parents um and and I think I never really realized that when you really commit to someone in a marriage that actually you and your wife or you and your husband are that's your family now and and then now parents and sisters and all kind of stuff are extended family they're outside of that ring but again, if you want to have a strong relationship, I think that has to be the core. And uh, and so what I did is I just recommitted to my marriage, and 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 that became a lot more fulfilling. And it created a bound, a little bit of a boundary with my family. Like it's definitely never been the same. Um, you know, we we still we still talk. We don't spend as much time together, but it's it's definitely um, we're not in each other's business all the time. So you can actually just kind of. It's a more enjoyable interaction, and it's a lot less stressful on all fronts. That, that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. I was just taking it in and going, "Wow, that makes so much sense." Because and it, you know, you if you and I'll say this because we're all about modern love here. That if you want a strong marriage, the focus really does have to be on the two people in the relationship. And people pleasers tend to want to please everybody else. And in a strong relationship, it is important to know your relationship is your centerpiece. Your community and your family are always important, but you must nurture because I always use this analogy that the relationship is the garden that feeds you. If that garden is going to be healthy and strong and bear fruit, you're going to have to put the time and energy into it. Get the weeds out, make sure there's water, make sure there's rain and sun and all those things and balance. So thank you for saying that because that's a really important thing for people to learn about boundaries. Many of the couples I've worked with over the years in our trainings and in our modern love programs and coaching are couples who have suffered from having these poor boundaries. And I think when, once I really realized that people pleasing dishonored my wife, that that was, that was enough pain for me that that was, that I stopped. Like once I actually saw the pain that that caused, mm-hmm. um, that was, that was enough for me to kind of go, okay, that's done. <laughs> that's not cool, Dr. Don. Let's pull it back. So I do want to say this. One of the ways I cured myself of people-pleasing, or sometimes it's known as codependence, it is really important to know there are books like yours. I love the title of your book, The Underdog Curse, and everyone check out Dr. Don at theunderdogcurse.com, and that's underdog curse, like cursing, right? Um, Yeah, you want to break break the curse. One of the things... Yeah, one of the things you can do is there's also a 12-step program for people who are codependent. There are 12-step programs for people who are in relationships with people with addiction. And these are the Al-Anon, the Naranon, the um, uh, Dead-Anon. You know, I've certainly worked with couples where one person was a gambling addict or an alcoholic or some other kind of addict. And it, almost by definition, the person that they're with is usually some kind of codependent 
who's addicted to taking care of the other person and doesn't know how to set their own boundaries. So be aware that if you have an extreme version of what Dr. Don is talking about, there is probably a 12-step program for you. Sex Addicts Anonymous has a program for the person married to the sex addict and so on. So there's a lot out there that can help you if you find yourself in a situation where it's hard to take care of yourself and you start to believe it's your job to please other people first. So, Dr. Don, very important topic. Thank you so much for being our guest tonight. What's your final word on curing people of the underdog curse? Um, I, uh, one of my favorite uh, personal development persons to watch was Jim Rohn. And one of the lines I really love from him is that the, the, the price has to be worth, or has, the promise has to be worth the price. And I think when you kind of look back and see all the areas that you people please, like if you're having a hard time breaking through the people-pleasing habit, is really kind of analyze, the, like you just said, the cost of what that creates in the rest of your, your life. And once that cost becomes high enough and there's enough pain, then you'll have enough leverage to be able to, to pay the price because it does take effort and a price to actually create boundaries and kind of lay the law down and say, this is who I am. But at the other end of it, on the other end of it, I don't think you'll ever be totally cured of people-pleasing. Um, I, but I think you, you just keep it in check and then you just have tools to be able to bring yourself back on board. But I just, I just found life is a lot more enjoyable sleep better, you have better energy, your body heals faster, your immune system works better, everything works better when you, when you look after yourself first, and once you're strong, then you can look after other people. If you hold the door open for someone at a store, and they walk through, and they don't say thank you, and you get really mad, that's service with expectation, which I think that's what people-pleasing is. But if you can get to the point where you can hold the door for someone and they can walk through, and even if they don't say anything, you're totally cool, um, that's service. So we, yeah. we, say we, still want to, we still want to serve. We just don't want to people please with our hidden expectations behind it. Great. Thank you so much. We're talking with Dr. Don McDonald, everyone, the author of The Underdog Curse, his website, www.theunderdogcurse.com. Thank you again, Dr. Don. Stay with us for next week is the inauguration of Donald Trump. It's coming up this Friday, and we're going to talk about the emotional and psychological effects the presidential transition is having on our relationships because there are many people at odds falling out about the election. Our guest will be Brenda Reynolds, and she's going to join us to discuss the Trump transition and you. All right, modern lovers, thanks for being with us. Big thank you to our executive producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, and our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning. All right, blessings, everyone. Have a great week.